You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Here's Nate. Well, in Exodus chapter 28, we have a shift in the focus of God's instructions to Moses. We're still of course, dealing with the ceremonial law and the requirements for the worship in the nation of Israel. But we're shifting now from the tabernacle. And you might remember that we began there in the Holy of Holies at the Ark of the Covenant in which the Ten Commandments were placed. And on top of the Ark would be the mercy seat where the blood would be splattered and the cherubim on top of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant or the mercy seat and then going outward into the holy place and the lampstand and the table of showbread. And then we were given, of course, the instruments outside of the tabernacle and then the actual description of the tabernacle, of course, itself and the materials with which it would be constructed and built. And then finally, the altar there in chapter 27 and the court and all of that. We are shifting now from the utensils and the instruments involved in the tabernacle, the building materials of the tabernacle, what the physical structure would actually look like, into now the priests who would serve the Lord in the tabernacle. And so we're going to focus now in this chapter, chapter 28, on the clothing of the priests. And then in chapter 9, get into the consecration or the setting apart of these priests for the ministry that they needed to conduct before the Lord. Now, these priests were going to do a complex variety of things for the people of God and for the Lord himself. They would burn the incense on the golden altar twice a day. They would maintain the lampstand and the table of the showbread of the presence. They would maintain and offer sacrifices on the altar of burnt offering. They would bless the people. They would, according to Numbers 5, at times preside over civil cases. They would instruct the people in the law, Deuteronomy 17 and chapter 33. And they would, even in times of war, give encouragement to the nation. So these priests were important figures for the people, for the nation of Israel. And it says in verse 1 that God spoke to Moses and said, Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar. So you have this small group of men that are initially singled out to serve before the Lord as priests. Now, it's of course important to recognize that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. These priests would offer sacrifices and go in and sprinkle the blood, but Jesus offered himself upon the altar and his blood as the atoning blood. And so, in one sense, Jesus is a better high priest, a better picture of the priestly service than any of these priests could ever hope to be. On the other hand, Jesus was a priest of a different order than the Levitical or Aaronic priesthood. It says in Hebrews chapter 6 that Jesus was a high priest forever after the order, not of Aaron, but of Melchizedek. You might remember this character 
back from our study in the book of Genesis, after Abraham rescued his nephew Lot, this king appeared to him, the king of Salem, who was also Melchizedek, and brought Abraham bread and wine, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all. This man had no beginning and no end, it appears, there in Genesis. And Jesus was a priest forever according to his order. In one sense, what we're going to read here in Exodus 28 is a beautiful picture of Christ, but in another sense, it's a beautiful picture of our ministry before the Lord. We are, as believers in Christ Jesus, called to serve before the Lord. Revelation 1 verse 6, John said that Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests to God. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But we are a kingdom of priests. 1 Peter 2 verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the priesthood, in one sense, of all believers can be pictured here in chapter 28 as we study what these original priests wore as they served the Lord and as they served the nation. You notice there in verse 1 that Aaron and his sons were selected for this task, four of them specifically, Nadab and Abihu, the older sons initially, and of course, we're going to discover that these two men in Leviticus 10 will actually die for a lack of respect and unholiness before the Lord. And his two younger sons, Eliezer and Ithamar. Notice that they had to wear, verse 2, he says, You shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. So they would have these garments that were going to set them aside as holy. They weren't to come in their street clothes. Serving the Lord is not something to be taken lightly, is it? There's a consecration and a holiness that God desires from our lives. And anybody who wants to serve the Lord, serve before the Lord, minister to the Lord, needs to remember that God is looking for holiness, a consecration in our lives and a purity of lifestyle. He says in verse 3, You shall speak to all the skillful, whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. So call upon these skillful artisans to make these garments. These, verse 4, are the garments that they shall make. A breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban and a sash, all of which we will study in this chapter. They shall make, verse 4, holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twilled linen. So they were to serve before the Lord. And notice there, verse 4, a second time we see this phrase, they will serve me as priests. And so these are men who would have an obligation of serving the people and representing God to the people and representing the people before God. But their first obligation was merely to serve the Lord, to serve God as priests. 
and just the importance as believers of remembering our great service unto the Lord, the need for us to submit to him, to enjoy him, to serve him, to worship him, and to praise him. He is worthy of our service. Now, describing the ephod in verse 6, he says, And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and of fine twilled linen skillfully worked. Now, for all of these garments, one of these materials will be used. And for many of the garments, all of these materials that the ephod uses are used. The gold, the blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twilled linen, all of it was used for the ephod and, and many other pieces of Aaron's outfit in serving the Lord. And the thing that I wanted to point out there is that these are the same materials as the tabernacle. You might remember that the tabernacle walls were constructed with this fine linen and the yarns of blue and purple and scarlet and gold. Everything inside of the tabernacle, once you got to the external parts of the tabernacle or the coverings of the tabernacle, you had animal skins and bronze and all of that. But inside the real tabernacle, it was all gold. It was all linen, fine linen. And this blue and purple and scarlet yarn that was used in all these different designs. And so the same materials that the tabernacle used are the materials that are used in the creation of Aaron's outfit. And I really think that's a beautiful picture because, well, the tabernacle and everything that occurs inside of it is a beautiful picture of the ministry of Christ himself. You have the table of showbread, speaking of Jesus as the bread of life. You have the lampstand, the golden lampstand, speaking of Jesus as the light of the world. You have the holy of holies and the mercy seat upon the ark, which speaks of Jesus Christ as our mercy seat of atonement. The blood that he shed is our mercy, our grace, our life before God. And so really, as they're wearing these outfits constructed of the same materials that were used in the building of the tabernacle, you have this declaration. We are, as we serve, merely an extension, they would say, of this structure that has been built. We are only able to minister because he first ministered unto us. And just to think of us as believers, as an extension of the body of Christ himself. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We belong to Jesus. He has placed us inside of his body. We are his body. We represent him. He says, verse 7, it shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and be of one piece with it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns and fine twilled linen. So you have basically this armless kind of overgarment in this ephod. He goes on to say, you shall take, verse 9, two onyx stones and engrave on those two stones the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, in the order of their birth. He says, verse 11, as a jeweler engraves signets, 
So shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. And so this very fine artistic work that was done with gold. And you shall, verse 12, set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. So you take these two stones with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Aaron, verse 12, shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. And so not only was this ephod, you know, just a beautiful garment without sleeves placed there over Aaron, it had these two shoulder pieces made out of gold that would sort of join the two parts of the ephod together, sort of connected together. And on top of those shoulder pieces were these stones that had the names of the tribes of Israel placed upon them. And he says there in verse 12 that Aaron will bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. And just so important to remember here as we want to serve the Lord ourselves, the importance of carrying a burden for God's people before the Lord. They would put these names upon their shoulder and bring them before God and say, God, please help these people. Please strengthen these people. Please be their rock and encourage them and help them and would just really have upon their shoulders this sense of duty and responsibility for the people of Israel. Congregationally, six names on each stone, just saying, Lord, I'm here serving before you, but as I'm serving you on my shoulders, I'm bringing the nation symbolically before you. And just the importance for those who want to serve the Lord of remembering God's people, remembering God's church, praying for the body of Christ, being interested in God's people. I think of the prayer life of Paul the Apostle. It's always been such an example to me. And Paul's prayer life seems so strong because he was just always praying for the church, always remembering the body of Christ, always remembering, of course, individual believers, but also remembering the church in various cities. Paul had such a strong emphasis of prayer in his life, and I think that in some ways these stones upon the shoulders represent that burden of prayer bringing God's people before God, interceding for them. Now, verse 15, we move to this breast piece that would go on top of the ephod and was so connected to the ephod that in other places in Scripture, when the ephod is spoken of, you're talking about everything that we've already read of, but you're also including this breastplate and the things attached to it. He said in verse 15, you shall make a breastplate of judgment and skilled work. In the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twilled linen, you shall make it. So again, the materials used are very familiar to us. It shall be square and doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth. Now we're reading here in the Old Testament of these measurements. A cubit would more than likely be around 18 inches. A span is half of a cubit, so you've got... Here, a breastplate that is going to be a square in shape, nine inches wide and nine inches tall. He says, you shall set in it, verse 17, four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row. 
And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a jacinth, and a gate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. So you've got these four rows of three stones in each row. So, of course, 12 stones total. And, verse 21, there shall be 12 stones with their names, according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the 12 tribes. So, it's very clear, these 12 stones would have the names of the tribes of Israel, not six on each stone like with the onyx stones on the shoulders of the high priest, but now here on the breastplate, each tribe gets its own stone. And you shall make for the breastpiece, verse 22, twisted chains like cords of pure gold, and you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece, and you shall put the two cords of gold and the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. And to the two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, and so attach it in front to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece on its inside edge next to the ephod, and you shall make two rings of gold and attach them in front to the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod as its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. So he's describing here how this is going to connect this breastpiece to the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece, verse 28, by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. Now, I read a long description there of the way that this would be fashioned and connected and firmly placed upon the ephod, but let's back up for a moment and think about these 12 stones. Why two stones on the shoulders with six tribes each, but on the breastplate now you have 12 stones with one tribe each? And I think in one sense, this is an indicator of, you know, that sure, there's the bringing of the congregation before the Lord, but the congregation is made up of individuals. And to be thinking of individual people and to not just bear the burden for them, but to also have a deep love and heart and care and concern and compassion for them. I know that for me in my ministry life, there are moments where the compassion begins to bleed out of my life. And in those moments, I tend to be harsh. I tend to be critical. I tend to be judgmental when the Lord would have me be soft and compassionate and merciful. It's important to have the people upon your shoulders, for one, as you serve the Lord, but also to have the people upon your heart, to remember that these are individuals with individual stories and lives and backgrounds, and to minister to them right where they are at. And he says in verse 28 that the breast piece shall not come loose, from the ephod. It must be solidly and firmly placed upon this ephod. And so just to firmly have God's people upon your heart, if you want to serve the Lord in any way, shape, or form, make sure that God's people are a deep motivation inside of your heart. God's people are a great motivation for God himself, so they should be a motivation 
for us. Isaiah 49, verse 15, has this beautiful line from the Lord. He says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. This is God speaking to his people and speaking of them in Jerusalem. He says, you are more firm in my mind than a mother with her nursing child. And you are more firm upon my heart than any other relationship. I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. And he says there in verse 29, going on here in Exodus 28, he says, So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. So there is this, again, with these stones on his breastplate, there is this bringing the people before the Lord, bringing them to regular remembrance before the Lord. Just the great importance of bringing people to Jesus. And in the breastpiece, verse 30, of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment or the decision of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. Now, this has been a little bit of a confusing statement from the Lord. You have now this ephod. On top of this ephod and firmly attached to it, a breastpiece. But attached to that breast piece and inside of it, you have this thing called the Urim and the Thummim. And they would be used here in verse 30 to make judgments for the people of Israel. And Aaron, the priesthood, they'd be involved in using the Urim and the Thummim to come to those conclusions and decisions and judgments from God. Now, the Urim and the Thummim actually literally just means lights and perfections. So the common belief is, in the general thought, is that there were stones, one black and one white, that were used to determine God's will for his people. If the priest drew out a white stone, it meant yes. If he drew out a black stone, it meant no. Others have indicated that perhaps it was a little more miraculous than that, and you had some kind of glowing, some kind of light that was indicated, some having gone so far as to say that the breast piece is involved and that the individual gems on the breast piece would illuminate in order to give wisdom about which tribe and, and all of that, but some kind of yes or no system that the Lord gave to them in order to determine his will. And certainly as you move through the rest of the Old Testament, there are various times, such as with the life of David, where the ephod is used to determine God's desire and God's will in battle or at various times and seasons, in making decisions. The ephod, including this Urim and Thummim, would be used to determine and to understand the will of God. I don't think it's possible to be dogmatic about how any of this actually worked. But what is apparent is that God gave to them this supernatural tool to use at their disposal 
for determining his will. As they walked with him, as they sought him, he would speak to them, he would direct them. Now, some of us on this side of the cross might think that that sounds rather nice. <laughs> How many times would you just like to know, am I to go right? Am I to go left? Am I to pursue this or am I to pursue that? And we might want something like the Urim and the Thummim, but remember what this was like. This was a national thing. There was one breastpiece. There was one high priest. There was one place that the tabernacle would exist. And when they went into the land of Canaan, you might be a farmer that's living 150 miles away from Jerusalem and away from the eventual temple. And for you to go and seek the Lord, just with all the priorities of the nation and all the things going on, you might not ever receive an answer by using the Urim and the Thummim. We have something far greater. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God. We have fellowship with God's people. God speaks to us in a much fuller sense in the era in which we live. Now, in verse 31, he goes on and begins to speak not of the breast piece, but of the robe that they would wear. He said, you shall make the robe of the ephod of all blue. So now blue speaks of heaven and their robe would be a very heavenly garment underneath the ephod. He said, it shall have an opening, verse 32, for the head in the middle of it with a woven binding around the opening like the opening in a garment so that it may not tear. On its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem so little ornamental fruits pomegranates down there at the bottom on the hem with bells of gold between them a golden bell and a pomegranate verse 34 a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe that's the pattern and it shall be on Aaron when he ministers and its sound shall be heard the little bells when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and verse 35, when he comes out, so that he does not die. So you have this undergarment, under the garment of the ephod, made of all blue. You have these ornamental pomegranates and bells upon it. I think these bells probably suggest a joyfulness as we serve before the Lord. The pomegranate suggesting a fruitfulness. But notice that very serious statement he makes he says so that he'll be heard so that he will not die they would actually be able to hear him inside of the holy of holies but if he were to die in god's presence no one would be able to go in and retrieve him they'd like to be able to hear is he still alive and they came into a custom where they would put a rope around his legs so that they could drag him out of the holy of holies should he die in god's presence. To serve the Lord is a holy work. It's an intense work. Now verse 36, he goes on to describe the plate upon their head. He said, you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban of a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So he would wear this turban, but on top of his turban would be a plate that said holy to the Lord. They were a representative 
for the people of Israel, bearing their guilt as they presented their gifts to the Lord. And you shall weave, verse 39, the coat in checkerwork of fine linen. And you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework for Aaron's son. So now we have those who aren't the high priests, but still are serving as priests. Their garments were rather different. You shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty. So the people would see them and respect them for their garments. And verse 41, you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall appoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. In other words, these pants that they would wear to guard their nakedness from before the Lord. They weren't to be lewd in their service. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. And so the garments now established by the Lord as these men would serve before the Lord. It is a holy undertaking to serve the God of all creation. Serious business to serve before the Lord. But every one of us, as we open up our Bibles and open our mouths before the Lord privately, can serve him by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.